Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Yes, Lord, we just thank you that you're our King, Father, and that you are over us, Lord. God over us. God within us, Lord. And uh, we're so excited, God, about what you're doing in our midst, Lord. And uh, we really trust you. We want to say that, Father. We trust you. We lean on you. We rest on you, God. And uh, thank you that we can. And uh, we're so excited for the new year. We're so excited for what you want to do in our midst. And we really just want to say we, you are first, God. We put you first. We say, Lord, we don't want to go into 2019 without your presence. We don't want to go into the promised land without your presence, God. We, we, we desire you, God. We really do. We love you. And uh, we, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace upon us. And, uh, yeah, we just pray for the team that's going to be working pretty much through the builder's holiday even, God. We just pray, bless them, God. Uh, give them strength, God. Give them grace. Let's give them joy in their hearts, Lord. And, uh, and we just thank you, God, for your time, God. And, and just, yeah, we just, we just commit it to you, Lord, the building project in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, everyone. I kind of, I kind of thought in one way I'm just going to dismiss us. Because we all want to just go and enjoy the last sun for today <laughs> and just go and relax. Um, but I'm very excited about just hopefully, I trust, a short word that I can bring uh, for us tonight. And, and not just for tonight, but I really feel this is something that God's doing in our hearts and stirring in our hearts. Also, practically makes sense for next year. But I'm going to speak a bit about vision tonight. Uh, what do we see and just as a question to start off with, like, what do you see? What do you see in your life? Uh, interesting thing about seeing, I thought about it, and it, it can't even be physical, because we even physically look and perceive stuff. So we look around us, and we make sense of it in our own hearts. What, what's happening? <laughs> you know, where's God in the midst of all of this? And uh, many times... Yeah, I just think of that often. I, I Actually, preparing this, I was thinking of my own life. Actually, most of my life is just trying to make sense of what's going on around me and trying to make sense of where is God in my life? Where is God in others' lives, in our family or in our church? Where is he moving? What's he doing? Um, what's true? I think nowadays there's so much information out there. There really is. Uh, and it's so accessible but just trying to see what is true. What is true? What can we build our lives on? So question, it's going to be a bit practical tonight, but a question for all of us is, what do we, what do we see when we look at ourselves? What do we see when we look at our families? What do we see when we look at the world around us? And what do we see when we look at God? What do we see when we look at God? The scripture that I want to just focus on tonight, it's just one verse pretty much, but it's packed. Uh, the ESV, I think I've got that first. Yeah. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. In the NLT, it says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. I love that. 
And then the message version just says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. That's incredible. <laughs> incredible stuff. So I've just got four, four kind of headings. The first heading is essential vision. The bottom line is we have to have vision. And we do have vision. We actually all have vision. We all have some kind of idea of what the future holds, no matter what it is, if it's good or bad. But uh, what's important for us is to have, as it says here, prophetic vision, which is vision that God inspires. Prophetic is a future vision, but God's in the midst of it. And what's he saying? What's he saying to us personally? What's he saying for our families? What's he saying corporately and even on bigger scales? We need clear vision. We really do. I, um, I wear contact lenses. I've been wearing glasses since I was 10 years old. And uh, so I know what it's like to not wear my contacts or not wear my glasses and, uh, and just not be able to see clearly and how frustrating that is. It's really frustrating. But uh, at the same time, like when you can see clearly, it's amazing. You can see so far. I remember those, I don't know if you've been to the op optometrist. I go, I have to go like once every year. And it's just incredible when you, if your eyes have changed a little bit, my eyes haven't changed too much in the last couple of years, but when you put in your new contacts or your new glasses, then suddenly it's like, whoa, <laughs> you see stuff that you had never seen before. So your vision is even clearer. And, um, and I just think we've got to really trust God for clear vision clear vision in our lives, for our lives, for our family, for our church, for our country, for our, for our world and God in this world. I love this quote from Helen Keller. I don't know if you know who Helen Keller is. She was one of the first blind deaf people or deaf blind people to actually get a degree. She got a degree. She lived about 100 years ago, I think. And she was an activist, and she accomplished a lot in her life, but being deafblind. And this is a quote from her, great quote. It says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. And then um, another man who I'll touch on a bit later George Washington Carver. Do you see what his parents did there? They made his middle name Washington, so his name's George Washington Carver. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, it's, it's clever. Some of you, you know, awkward if you want to, you've got to think of that. You name your child. It can be something amazing like Bucky Spurta Augustine or something like that. I don't know. Maybe not. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very, I don't know why that came into my head first, but uh, anyway. Um, George Washington Carver, he said, Where there is no vision, there is no hope. Where there is no vision, there is no hope. So we need clear vision. Why do we need clear vision? Without it, we lose hope. We don't have hope. Without vision, we run wild. We run wild. Without it, we stumble. Without it, we have no perspective on life. 
past and future, present. Without it, we don't even see our purpose. We don't see, why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? Um, I love the scripture in Matthew six twenty-two to 23. It says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Blocked vision. So, yeah, we should see clearly. We should see clearly, but we don't. And for many people, they don't see at all. Blind. Very, very interesting. What, what happened? Now, I went back to the story in Genesis, Genesis 3 on the fall, and it's actually incredible how it speaks about eyes. And listen to this, or our eyes. So from verse 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals and the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree and that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened they saw, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's interesting that their eyes were opened, but at the same time they actually became blind. In uh, Isaiah 59 verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear And a scripture that, I th- that I've actually thought about a lot, because it's actually incredibly sad, is uh, Psalm 106. Psalm 106 recounts the Israelites' journey out of Egypt into, well, crossing the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. And uh, here in verse 13 to 15, it says, But they soon forgot what he had done. And they did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for. But he sent a wasting disease amongst them. In another translation it says that he sent leanness into their soul. So we can see that Yeah, that God is God wants our eyes to be open, to see him, to see him moving in this world. But sin 
puts a, puts a wall. There's another place in uh, Isaiah that speaks about sin creating a wall between us and God. And uh, even this many times, you know, not waiting, to, to, waiting for God's plan or not waiting to see what he's doing, it's, it touches all of our lives. We, we find ourselves blind. Um, yeah, blind. When we actually want to see you, when we, when we are created to see God. That's amazing about that scripture out of Genesis. I, when I went back to it, I wasn't really expecting to find anything about eyes or vision. And seeing that, your eyes will be opened. Both their eyes were opened. And he can unpack that on a technical level for us in the future. But what's incredible for me is just that, that their eyes were opened, but at the same time they just went blind. How, how crazy is this scripture from Revelation 3? The letter, they're the seven letters to the seven churches, and in verse 17 is the letter to the Laodicea church. It says a lot of things, but at the end in verse 17 it says, you say, or we say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But do you realize, do we realize, that we are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy gold, buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Interesting to think about Adam and Eve, to put salve on your eyes, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. I love it. So we are blind even though our eyes are open. Sin separates us from God, creating a wall. And when we can't see, I think just personally, if I can't see stuff, then I act out quite desperately. I kind of go on what I think's best, or I go on my own wisdom. If I can't see the way forward, or what God is saying for a situation, then many times I feel like I have to make a plan. I have to, I have to do something. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't usually work out well. We need salve. We need something to wash our eyes out so we can see clearly. I remember over years and years and years, and I don't know why, I've had this dream that's been recurring of actually blurry vision. <laughs> and it's actually a bit of a weird one because I do have blurry vision. But in my dream, it's almost like I just, there's nothing that can fix it. But I can't see anything clearly. And it's just like, just a mix of all kinds of colors and stuff. And again, like I said earlier, it's so frustrating. And also just not what God wants. God wants our eyes to be open and clear. The scripture I read just now, uh, Matthew 6, verse 22 to 23. Go and read that again. And read it in other translations too, but it's beautiful. And just in terms of the imagery of having clear eyes and having just full of being full of light because your eyes are clear, you can see clearly. So our prayer is, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see you. Lord, open our eyes. I love this uh, story. I don't know if you know the story of Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings 6. 
says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And he obviously ran to the man of God and said, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And I think many times that's us. Many times we walk, you know, in life we have issues and we have stuff that we have to deal with and we go, my Lord, you know, are you awake? It's like the same story with Christ in the boat, Jesus sleeping in the boat and the storm's up. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Are you sleeping? The storm. And uh, I can imagine the, sa- this, the emotions that this guy's going through is the same. There's this army around us. Don't you, don't you realize what's going on? And again, coming back to when we're blind, when we don't see, going to desperate measures, trying something, even if we think it's the right thing to do. Then the prophet said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of chariots, horses and chariots of fire, all around Elisha. And this is interesting too. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Very interesting scripture. Opening, just asking God to open our eyes to see him to see him in our midst, to see him in our lives today, now, in a situation. Where are you, God? What are you doing? <laughs> where, what are you saying? Where, where must we go? What must we do? I ask that very often. I hope I'm not the only one. <laughs> I think we all ask. We want to know, like, God, are you, in, are you in this? Are you taking me where I'm going? What, or must I stop? Must I go somewhere else? What's incredible is the promise or the hope of redeemed vision. So God does fix our eyes. God does clear our eyes. God does redeem our vision. In uh, Ephesians 1, I'll read quite a portion from it. Ephesians 1 verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. Then he goes on to speak about that power. But how incredible is that? Open the eyes of our hearts. Open our eyes. We'll see that we might know the hope to which we are called. The riches of his glorious inheritance for all of us. And his incomparably great power. Then he speaks about the power, unwraps it a bit. Incredible power. Definitely my prayer. Open the, open the eyes of our hearts. Let us see you. I thought of 
somewhere where Paul speaks about something similar, opening eyes, and, and I found it eventually. It's almost right at the end of Acts, Acts 26. And it's actually Christ speaking to Paul, saying, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. In another translation, it actually says a place amongst those who have this inheritance. It speaks about the inheritance again. But how cool is that? Like he's not just ministering to Paul, but he's saying, I'm sending you. I'm sending you as one to go and open other, other people's eyes and uh, from darkness to light. So there's a, well, there's salvation in that moment that he had with Christ on the Damascus Road. But he also sent Paul out and said, you are going out to open up eyes. Another scripture, I'm just sharing a bit out of my own life too, a scripture that I've thought about a lot in my life and has challenged me so much, is Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Now, we all want that, surely. Lord, where must I go? I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And then it says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include a bit, a bridle, to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. And sometimes we would prefer to have a bit. <laughs> We'd prefer to have a bridle. We'd prefer to have God like really just pull us this way and pull us that way and like go, okay, we, you know. But no, he says he will teach us and he will instruct us and he'll counsel us with his eye upon us. He wants relationship. He wants us to look at him, his eyes upon us. If we look at him, he's looking at us. And, uh, and we can actually speak to him about these things, about our lives, have vision. A vision. What is he saying? Where are we going? We've got to take the bit out of our mouths, take off the bridle and throw it, throw it aside rather. So open eyes to see what? To see hope, to see his glorious inheritance for us, to see his great power. To see Christ's position, where he is and who he is, that's at the end of Ephesians 1, verse 17 to 23. Christ, all-powerful, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And our protection, actually. So we are commissioned to open eyes. We are commissioned to minister forgiveness we are commissioned to communicate an inheritance. Just uh, two character sketches. The one is uh, a great guy, as I mentioned earlier, George Washington Carver. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. 
but he was a like a farmer, really passionate about farming, but also environmentalism. Um, he was a black guy living in the 1850s in America, which was a really interesting, uh, interesting time in their history. But he just had this passion, but he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord with all his heart, but he also had a passion about farming. And uh, he would begin each day with a prayer that said that God would reveal his secrets to him about plants and vegetables. Wow. And then it's reported that he prayed that, Mr. Creator, show me the secrets of your universe. And then he got a reply, little man, you're not big enough to know the secrets of my universe, but I'll show you the secret of a peanut. And George Washington Carter came up with about 105 recipes for peanuts. Peanut butter was invented by him, by the way. We can all be thankful, grateful for that. And many other things. But he had this wonderful like, just relationship with the Lord where he sat with him and he said, Lord, teach me, show me, you know, give me vision. And he's the one who said, without vision, there's no hope. He's the one who said that quote. And I just love this scripture from Psalm 25. It says, the secret of the Lord is for those, or is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. My eyes, David says, are ever towards the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. That's, that's incredible. That trust. And that trust for God's timing is incredible. We don't get it right a lot of the time. But uh, my eyes are ever towards the Lord. There's this wonderful relationship. Another man that's just absolutely challenged me in my life is William Wilberforce who a lot of us will know or know of. Um, he was very instrumental in ending the slave trade in the UK. Uh, he was a member of parliament, and he got saved. He, he was a, a nominal Christian, but then he got saved. Like, really, he got to know God, and, uh, and his life just changed. And he actually wanted to go into ministry, and then actually William Pitt, who was the prime minister at that time and a good friend of his, actually spoke him out of it said to him, no, 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 you're a member of parliament, and surely you can serve God as a member of parliament. And he took up, he was like, yes, you're right, I can. And uh, William Wilberforce was absolutely almost consumed with a vision from God. He said, God Almighty has set before me two great objectives, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. I don't know if you knew that second part, but he had a real passion for social transformation in, in society. You probably knew about his, his work towards suppressing the slave trade. But he, I don't know if you've seen the movie Amazing Grace, incredible movie worth watching about his life. But he had dreams, like, I mean, sometimes disturbing dreams of, of men chained up and like really just crying out for freedom. And he just like completely felt like God pulling him into this and saying, you, I want to use you. I can use you to actually end this. The scariest thing is it took 18 years, 18 years of bringing bills to Parliament every year until the day when he was actually, as far as I remember, I think he was sick in bed when they brought him news that the sla slavery is finally illegal. The slave traders stopped. 
18 years. That's quite a long time to pursue a vision from God, to pursue a vision that you really believe is from God, and to see it through, to see it through. And he had hard times. You can see, watch the movie again or read any of his biographies. He had really hard times uh, in many ways. But, and he had, do you know what? He had other people. He had friends that came around him that had the same vision also, but that helped him, that encouraged him, that physically helped him, picked him up, and we need that. So getting to a bit more of a specific point, God has spoken to each one of us personally, I believe. He does speak to each one of us personally. He speaks to us about things that are on his heart that somehow line up with what's on our hearts. For me personally, I can't shake. There's like certain things that I just can't shake. Life goes on, things change, you move to different places, but there's just certain things that, that just stays. <laughs> it's like this voice is just speaking to you the whole time. Um, I've worked for the last nine years mostly in the coffee industry, and uh, my passion is, has been and still is um, seeing what difference we can make at the source, where coffee comes from. Because a lot of the times that's where exploitation happens, that's where slavery is still happening, unfortunately, in some parts of the world. Um, and through our company, we've been trying to buy more traceable coffee. We know where it's coming from. We know farmers are being paid fairly. Um, but in my heart, it's still burning, like, especially for Africa. I, I love Africa. I've been into Africa a few times. Uh, I've got a huge desire to connect with, with men, actually. Uh, my heart's always been for men's ministry and connecting with men. And, uh, yeah, and just this whole thing, like I, I kind of see this all coming together, which is great. I'm just giving it as an, as an example because I think each one of us have a story to tell in terms of, you know what? I've also been thinking about this or this for a very long time. It's been burning on my heart. I don't know what to do with it. You know, it feels, I don't know when it's going to come to pass. Um, yeah, God is, I love to see it like this. We were praying just now and just getting a bit of perspective on this. God is moving. God's working in this world. He's busy with his redemptive plan every day, always, all the time. And our personal vision in terms of what, what God has called me to is not making me special. He's just saying, here's a part for you to play in what I'm doing. And <laughs> you can come. It's a privilege to come, <laughs> to come and join my hand in, in the field because I'm busy working. And I'm doing amazing things. You can, you can come and look. And uh, for us, it's the, hum the humility of going, Lord, I want to come see what you're doing. I want to be there. I want to be in the action. And, uh, and that's where all of us are individual. Some of us will have the same passions and drives and, and kind of just interests. But, uh, but I really believe it ties in with that. Uh, you'll kind of, I mean, it's, it's been interesting in history. I can't think of his name now. Oof. Scott, Eric Little, yes, there we go, uh, the Scottish guy who, I think he won the 200 meters, I don't know which Olympics, but, um, but he's also famous, he's got a famous quote of saying, when he runs, he experiences God. So he uses his running for the glory of God, and it grows God's kingdom. 
Again, God is moving. God is doing stuff. And his running actually has a part in that. So my kind of challenge to all of us and encouragement is uh, to spend time, especially now in the next couple of weeks, really spend time thinking and praying, especially praying about what God is speaking to you about and maybe even remembering something that God has spoken to you about in the past and just writing it down again. I love it. I think it's in Habakkuk where they speak about the tablets, writing the vision on the tablets. I think it's so important to record what God is saying. Really, really important. God is speaking to all of us. And what's great about uh, God speaking to us individually is that it's actually part of a puzzle. If we all walk and just run into what God's calling us to do with the encouragement of each other, with the help of each other, then it's going to form this beautiful puzzle. It's just going to absolutely display the glory of God to the world. I really believe that. So we've got individual callings. I'm a family man. I've got two kids and a wife. And God's got a calling for us, got a plan and a vision for us as a family. God's got a calling and a vision, maybe even for a group of friends. There's so many levels to this. God's definitely got a vision for our church, for this church, Shofar Santon, for Shofar Randberg, for Shofar Joburg together. There's so many layers. And I'm just excited that we just really go, God, you know what? Accuracy. I think that's been on my heart like a lot recently is accuracy. I don't want to think this or think that. I want to know. I want to know what God is saying, where he's calling us to. And clear, we need clear vision for that. We need our eyes just to be clear for that, to see that. Ultimate vision. I love it. <laughs> Winston Churchill uh, has a great quote. He says, the further back you look, the further forward you are likely to see. It's amazing. The further back you look, the further back you can look, the further forward you are likely to see. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And I love this. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ had a vision, fulfilled that vision, or well, that vision was fulfilled. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. So we've got to think about our own lives, think what is God calling us to. Many times it may take our whole lifetime to fulfill the vision that God's put on our lives or, or encouraging us with. Another thing I want to throw in there is really to include others in this, these kind of things. It's so important to share with other people, to sense check things too. Because I can tell you that, <laughs> that our minds sometimes are a bit all over the place. Okay, Our emotions are sometimes a bit all over the place. So sometimes we, with the greatest intentions and heart purity, we think God is calling us in a direction or calling us to do something. And on one hand... He could be, and it could be crazy. And maybe some people will go, no ways, not a chance. But I really believe in the counsel of many. I believe in community. 
So I really think if you feel something in your heart that God's calling you to, share it with your friends. Share it with some people that aren't your friends. Bounce it off them. Ask, ask for feedback. And then listen to God still. I mean, God, you know, he's the one who's calling us. He's the one who's, who's speaking to us about this vision. Yeah, I just thought I'd share that. So we need clear vision. Why do we need clear vision? We need it, or with clear vision, we will receive joy. It's what we want. We want joy. With it, we can endure hardships. That's incredible. If we have vision, clear vision, we can actually endure hardships better. We can suffer better. Because suffering is part of life. It's not, not fun. It's part of life. But if we have clear vision, it just puts it into perspective. It really does. With vision, we can see our purpose, what God's called us to, and with it, we can walk forward. And with vision, we can see Jesus with our eyes, eyes of our hearts. We can see him. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.